Welcome back to Rock and Ram Podcast, everyone. You're here with your host, Andrea. And Victoria. And we are very excited today, as always. But today, we are going to be talking about the Marshall Tucker Band. Can't you see? Can't you see? What that woman, oh, she been doing to me. Okay, so the Marshall Tucker Band is another Southern classic rock band, similar to Leonard Skinner. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Marshall Tucker Band originated from Spartanburg, South Carolina, and they were one of the ones at the forefront of the Southern Rock movement in the early 70s, along with the Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner and and all Mm -hmm. of them. Um, And they were friends with, like, the Allman Brothers and Charlie Daniels, and I don't know if they ever met the Leonard Skinner guys, but I'm sure they would have been pretty good buddies. (laughs) So the original lineup, we have Toy Caldwell Jr. He was lead guitar. He was the primary songwriter, and he did vocals on some of the tracks as well. His younger brother, Tommy, was also in the band, and he was on bass guitar. And then Doug Gray was the lead vocalist, and he also played tambourine. Uh, When Toy was singing, he would be over on the side playing tambourine. And then Jerry Eubanks was on keyboard, saxophone, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, but flautist. Uh, he played the flute. So flutist, flautist. I don't know if it's oh. both or either. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I always thought it was flutist, but I have no reason why. I just, that's what makes sense in my head. But I don't yeah. <laughs> he played the flute, saxophone, and keyboard. Uh, George McCorkle was on rhythm guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And Paul Riddle was their drummer. So those six guys were the Marshall Tucker Band that pretty much everybody knows as the Marshall Tucker Band. And so they formed in 1971, like late 1971, and it was, um, let's see, Toy, George, Jerry, and Doug were all high school buddies, and they were all heavily involved in sports together, like basketball, football, and Tommy... Toy's little brother, he grew up with those guys. And then Paul, he also attended the same high school. He was just a few years younger. Because um, these guys, they were all born in like 46, 47, 48, 49. Well, Paul was born in 53. So he was a few mm. years younger than mm-hmm. the other guys. But they all went to Spartanburg High School. Um, and so... I, I did watch like a, a brief little interview of them and I think it was it was Toy uh, George maybe George and Paul so uh, the guitarist the two guitarists and then uh, the drummer and just watching them interact with each other like they had it's like this real old interview when they were pretty young so it's in the 70s and um the way they were just so comfortable with each other and the way they were like interacting, just their body language was so comfortable. And they, <laughs> they all had, they had one towel. Cause I, they had just finished playing on this talk show, I guess. And, um, he, they were getting interviewed and they had one towel and they were all using that same towel to like wipe the sweat from their face. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, That's your I, nightmare. I mean, mine is, too, I know, gross, seriously. but I feel like it stands out probably more to you. It, it was gross to watch, but also like, 
that just shows you how close they are because they're like passing it and like throwing it at each other and stuff and they're just like very in sync and comfortable with each other so I think that plays a huge part in their sound and their dynamic and how they made such an impact in the rock and roll southern rock genre Um, Mm -hmm. because again they're one of like the biggest names in that in 1966, uh, several of the guys got together and formed a band called The Toy Factory after Toy Caldwell. Mm, yeah. And <laughs> so something that I didn't know about these guys, though, is that four of the members served in the U.S. Armed Forces during the Vietnam War. And mm. Toy, he was in the Marine Corps. He was wounded and he received the Purple Heart. Um, he was discharged from the Marines in 1969. And when he returned home, he started playing music with his buddies again. They all made it back home, and uh, they formed the Marshall Tucker Band in late 1971. And something else that I didn't know is that the name, there's no Marshall Tucker, obviously. I just went through the original (laughs) members. There's no Marshall Tucker in the band. So it's like, where did that name come from? Well, what they said in that interview is that the name came from this blind piano tuner Uh, that owned the rehearsal space, the rehearsal hall where they practiced. And they were like, they had a gig the next day. It was late. They didn't have a name. And they saw it like on the plaque or the door or something, Marshall Tucker. And they were like, oh, Marshall Tucker band. All right, let's go to dinner. (laughs) (laughs) So it just stuck. And apparently that Marshall Tucker, he was very, he he knew about it. And he um, was like super into it. He loved that. They, he was a big fan of theirs, and he loved that they were using his name. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. And then Toy, he he had he had like a amazing like guttural rugged voice, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But he was also known for his unique. It's called chicken picking style of playing guitar. <laughs> and the, well, the reason why it's called chicken picking is because he doesn't use a pick to play the guitar, but it's like the the way your hand is shaped, it looks like a chicken, a chicken head. Well, most people will use like all their fingers, you know, to, mm. to pick the, mm. the strings. But Toy, when you watch him, and especially in this video that I'm going to talk about, it's um, he only uses his thumb, only his thumb. And it's, like, a real staccato, like, it's mm-hmm. super unique. I haven't seen anybody else play guitar like that, and I'm, I'm sure we'll run into maybe some others, but just using your thumb to pluck the guitar strings instead of a pick or instead of your fingers, like, that is... Because I've seen people, like, pluck the strings with their, like, forefinger and thumb, and but this is just the thumb. It's so interesting to watch. I was like, the calluses that man must have had on his thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It must have hurt at some point because mm-hmm. uh, you're it's, and then that's just a really strong thumb, too. Like, I don't think my my thumb is not that agile. Um, that's these are the thoughts that were growing through my head whenever I was watching this mm-hmm. video. So, um, OK, so let's get into the dis- discography and I'm going to kind of do like a, a timeline here because they had a lot going on. So their very first album, their debut album Uh, The Marshall Tucker Band was released in 1973, and it went gold, and all the tracks were written by Toy Caldwell, all of them. Mm. And their lead single was Can't You See, which is the one Mm -hmm. that we attempted and butchered singing. (laughs) But um, it was sung by Toy Caldwell, and it's 
really an iconic song, um, iconic video of them playing it live on September 10th of 1973 at the Grand Opera House in Macon, Georgia. And we'll put that um, link to the video if you haven't seen it in the, the show notes. Because it is just phenomenal. <laughs> like, you watch that whole video and you can... Like, I was talking to my dad about it because Marshall Tucker Band is, is one of his favorite bands. And um, he he seen them play and he was like that video is and just that song in general you you don't just hear it like you feel it you can feel it like in your soul and Mm. in your bones just the way that he's singing you can feel everything about the song and it's so true like watching him sing it he's so into it and he's so it's just everything about it is gold (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. And, and so we'll put that, that I've watched that video like several, several times now. And, um, it just, it really is a, a feeling that you get. Um, okay. So moving on their second album was called a new life. It was released in 1974 and these guys, they were, they were another band that were just like pumping out albums like mm-hmm. year after year, sometimes two in a year like this one. So in, uh, 1974, they released A New Life and Where We All Belong, which both went gold. That was in 1974. Mm. In 1975, they released Searching for a Rainbow, also went gold. And on that one, George McCorkle, the rhythm guitarist, he wrote mm-hmm. a song called Fire on the Mountain. And he wrote it in hopes that his friend Charlie Daniels would release it on his uh, album, but Daniels decided not to use it, so the Marshall Tucker Band, uh, Marshall Tucker Band, recorded it <laughs> and released it as a single, and it was their first top forty hit single. So worked out well for mm. them too. <laughs> yeah, um, and so that got me thinking about like the you know the fire in the mountain run boy run <laughs> like Charlie Daniels, <laughs> and so that that song wasn't released till like four years later, 1979, I think, but Charlie Daniels had a 1974, 1975 album called fire on the mountain. And that's, Mm. um, so that, uh, George McCorkle wrote that song, hoping that he would put it on the album, but didn't work out. So worked out for Marshall Tucker band though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then in 1976, they recorded long, hard ride. Um, 1977, they recorded or released Carolina Dreams, and that one went platinum. And that one is, uh, the one that has Heard It in a Love Song, which it's mm-hmm. Heard It in a Love Song, Heard It in a Love Song. I can't sing it, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's a really good, good song. <laughs> Thanks. I always, I, until I actually looked at the words, I always thought it was like, pretty little love song like pretty little love song <laughs> but it's heard it in a love song which makes more sense and this mm. was their biggest hit single of their career it reached number 14 on the billboard hot 100 so that was you know and it helped that that album go plat- platinum which again was 1977 in 1978 i thought this was really cute 1978 they released an album called together forever and that one also went gold and it was named after the platonic love that the band members had for each other. 
<laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I was like, that's so cute because they all, you know, these are like childhood friends that have grown up living the dream, like mm-hmm. becoming rock stars together. And, and, you know, they had really their their music. It was hard to pinpoint the genre that the Marshall Tucker Band fit into yeah. because they had... That's why they were considered Southern rock, because they had classic rock. They had um, a lot of country, blues, uh, like bluegrass. They had jazz, just like R&B, just a whole plethora, very eclectic style. And one of them, I think it was Doug Gray, the singer, the lead singer, that had said it was basically like the soup that your mom makes when she doesn't (laughs) have any ingredients. She just pulls anything out of the the fridge that could work and like throws it in mm-hmm. a pot and that's that's what you get and he that's what he compared Marshall Tucker sound to like that's that's what you get and mm-hmm. it it worked really well um oh, good soup <laughs> so oh. good soup 1979 they released running like the wind and then this is where their band takes a, a tragic turn which also reminded me of Leonard Skinner. Mm-hmm. But in 1980, they released their album called Tenth. And this one was sad for, for a couple of reasons. So Tommy and Toy, the Caldwell brothers, they had a brother named Tim. And Tim passed away in a car accident. And I believe it was a car accident with a garbage truck in their hometown of Spartanburg. And that happened on March 28th of 1980. And then Mm -hmm. on March, I'm sorry, on April 22nd, Tommy was involved in a car accident and he suffered head trauma and he died six days later on April 28th, 1980. So one month, month, one month to the date of his brother Tim's passing. And so Mm. Toy lost his two two brothers in the span of a month both from vehicle accidents scary and yeah and so this guy franklin wilkie he i believe he went to high school with them he was a former member of the toy factory he was brought in to play bass on the next album um and obviously all the guys were greatly affected by the loss of uh, Mm -hmm. tommy but Toy, specifically Toy, because it was his brother, and then Paul, Paul Riddle, the drummer, um, he had said in an interview that he and Tommy were, like, joined at the hip. And mm-hmm. so it was, like, really, really hard for those guys, and they just really couldn't get back into it once they lost him. So yeah. uh, in 1981, they still released another album in 1981. This was the first one that they released without Tommy. Um, but it was named in memory of Tommy and Tim and all the lost, like, all lost loved ones. Um, and it was mm. called Dedicated. So their album Dedicated was released in 1981. Um, and it it really didn't hold up to the prior albums. It charted uh, lower than the, the other albums did. And I think, obviously, or I say obviously, but I think that was in large part to it wasn't the same dynamic right mm-hmm. um, and they were yeah, just feeling sense. a lot of loss yeah uh, again they released another album in 1982 called Tuckerized and they just kind of like start 
losing their traction, all that traction, all that momentum that they had built up and they were doing so well, um, they, they lost it. And only two of the songs on the album were even written by band members. One was, mm. yeah, Sea Dreams and Fairy Tales was written by Toy, and then Sweet Elaine was written by George. And then mm. uh, there, in 1983 and 1984, they released Just Us and Greetings from the South, and Toy only contributed three songs to those those albums, and he ended up leaving the band um, to go solo at that time, and pretty much the rest of the gang, the guys also disbanded. So only Doug, who was lead vocals, and Jerry, who played the sax and the flute and keyboards, those two stayed together to continue on as the Marshall Tucker Band. Mm-hmm. But they had like a four-year hiatus, a four-year break. They released Holding On, or I'm sorry, Still Holding On, in 1988 and this was the first album released with only two of the original members and mm-hmm. they added in Rusty Milner on lead guitar, Stuart Swanland who's a guitarist, Tim Lauder bass guitar and I believe it was Ace Allen that joined in on drums so those four guys and they were all if I'm not mistaken they were all Spartanburg um they were all local Spartanburg <laughs> uh musicians so they wanted they wanted to go back and in 1990, they released Southern Spirit, which is like a callback to their roots. It was like very much more blues sounding. And they, two years later, they released Still Smokin'. In 1993, they released Walk Outside the Lines. And this mm-hmm. one had a couple of interesting things. So this marked their move into more of a country sound. They were embracing more of the, the country side of their their playing and Mm -hmm. garth brooks actually co-wrote the title track on the album and he he had been a light like a longtime fan and he considered it a milestone in his career when he got to co-write that title track and i believe he also sang backup vocals for it oh cool um and yeah but then another tragedy struck um toy caldwell passed away in his sleep on February 25th, 1993. The mm. cause of death was cardiac arrest, and after a toxicology report was done, it was brought on by cocaine use. So, Man. Yeah. Um, and in 1996, Jerry Eubanks retired. So now you only have Doug Gray left in the band. He's the, well, I say left in the band. He's the only original member left in the band and he's lead vocals so Mm -hmm. in 1998 Marshall Tucker band released face down in the blues and they added Ronald Radford and David Muse and I believe David Muse took the place of Jerry Eubanks on like keyboard and I don't know if he did sax or flute but I think he did keyboards Mm -hmm. um then over the next few years they released four more albums they had gospel in 1999 which is exactly what it sounds like it's like gospel versions of songs like gospel renditions Mm -hmm. Uh, beyond the horizon 2004 carolina christmas in 2005 and their last album that they released was the next adventure in 2007 Uh, but Mm -hmm. i believe that they are still touring and they're still 
playing as the Marshall Tucker band, but again, only Doug Gray is actually um, in the band still. And if we go back and look, so out of the six original members, again, you have Toy Caldwell, Tommy Caldwell, Doug Gray, Jerry Eubanks, George McCorkle, and Paul Riddle. Mm -hmm. Out of those six, I believe that only Doug Gray, Jerry Eubanks, and Paul Riddle are still alive. Um, So Toy and Tommy both passed away early on, and then... George McCorkle passed away in 2007, and I I think it was cancer that um, got mm-hmm. him. Yeah. So just a, a very tragic, another tragic tale to a, a really good Southern band. And when I was listening to their albums, really, you know how like sometimes when you are listening to music, you kind of go somewhere like in your head mm-hmm. visually. Mm-hmm. And... For me, when I was listening to their album, like I, I went to Green Hall. Um, oh, and, cool. yeah, yeah, and I was like, man, that really, this sounds like a band that we would go see, play, and that, it could be that I've seen like lots of bands do covers of the Marshall Tucker Band, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but they they just have that sound, and they they do so much like, or they did so much like improv and just kind of jamming early on. Mm-hmm that like none of their shows were to script it was a lot of it was like as as it goes and they would play like 300 plus shows a year like just and I don't know when they had time to write or record I don't know what they were doing but (laughs) um they were they were working hard and I watched um right I listened to an interview with Tommy the younger brother and he was the bass player and he just sounded, I mean, they have like these thick South Carolina accents, um, mm-hmm. but he, he really just sounded so humble and down to earth. And he was like, look, man, we, we know that we're nothing without our fans. Like it's the people that make us a good band. And he's like, when bands forget that, that's when things start, you know, going downhill for them and he's like we really just we're we're where we are because of the people and he mm-hmm. he was it was funny because he's like this real southern guy but he's also using um kind of like because it was in the 70s so it sounded like he was kind of using like a disco lingo I don't know what else to call it but he would call <laughs> he would call people cats like oh and then these, yeah, like these cats, yeah, and maybe that's like a jazz thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, he's like, yeah, these cats would be, you know, coming by, or these cats would think that, and um, or he'd be like, dig it, you dig it. <laughs> it just sounded so funny coming from like with his accent, but he, they really did sound like they were just, you know, humble, and they didn't want any anything fancy. They just wanted to be to play their music and be with their friends. And that's, that's what they did. And, um, I think you could really feel that through their music. So that's why I think seeing them live would have just been really, uh, yeah. Like fun experience and, and an experience. Yeah, exactly. An experience because it's, it's all encompassing and it's really, um, like, do you, do you remember a guy that we went to high school with named Matt Kirk? Uh, no. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he 
he's a friend of my sister's and actually my parents are friends with him too. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I think he was a little bit older than Megan and, or he is a little bit older than Megan and he plays at Green Hall a lot with his mom, I think. Um, he had a little sister, uh, I think that was a little bit younger than us. Katie Kirk. Do you know her? Oh, that sounds that familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was her name. But um, anyway, he he plays a lot of um, this type of music. And I know he does like his originals, but they also do covers. And it that's what it kind of reminded me of, like being in Green Hall, like watching somebody like super talented like Matt and, and his mom and, and just um, feeling the music. It's, I don't know how else to, to describe it other than you're there and it's, a, it's an experience and you're not just like, it's not just background music. Like it's, it's feeling the music. It's so hard to <laughs> explain, but if you know, you know, right? So yeah, you can't explain it. You just have to feel it. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. It's the feeling. So I, I think I've said the word feeling enough. So I'll, I'll move on from that. Um, but any, anything you want to add on the Marshall Tucker band before I move on um, to the one hit wonder? Their one that I really didn't know as well as, mm-hmm. as you did. But um, mostly, honestly, for me, it was mostly that Can't You See song. But mm-hmm. I do re- really like that song. It's a good song. Yeah, um, you need to yeah. you need to watch the video, and then you'll want to like keep rewatching the video over and over <laughs> again. And it was funny because I actually watched. I don't know who these guys are, but it's. Have you ever seen like the reaction videos? Um, mm-hmm. I think it was on YouTube, and it was like these three guys, and they're in a car, and so one of them, in the driver's seat, he's the one that's showing the other two guys, and I don't know if they it just never seen the video or what it is, but. Um, he starts playing the video for them and they're listening and they're all kind of getting into it and they're like, Oh, Oh yeah. Like this is good. And they're all like bobbing along. Cool. But you could, just, you could just see like the glee on the guy's face that knew yeah. what was coming. Cause he's like so excited. Cause he's like, Oh, they're going to like this. And then he would pause it and he'd be like, man, can't you just like, you could, you could feel the pain that he's in, mm-hmm. like for him to write that and sing it that way. And it's, it, pretty good um little synopsis i and i don't think i watched the whole whole thing but it was um it was mm-hmm. funny because seeing somebody else listen to them for the first time also yeah. so uh but that video is really moving so mm-hmm. um definitely watch that and you'll you'll like it a little bit um different but what you mentioned about like how it's another tragic story or like a lot of loss in this band just like leonard mm-hmm. skinner and obviously in a different way but it's kind of sad, like, because we've talked about before, um, like, a lot of the band members that we're talking about will have passed, but talking right. about it, like, every time, like, all these bands that we're, you know, enjoying and, like, every time ending with, mm-hmm. like, oh, and these, you know, these members have already passed. kind of just sad to end it like that every time. I know. Much. I mean, there's I a few bands that we've covered where they're all still alive. Right. Um, and it's just kind of sad i mean that's the nature of it because you know exactly i was like i think the 70s and 80s i get it but it's still like oh yeah and these guys i mean they weren't like yeah they weren't super young when they started um they were probably like mid-20s uh at -hmm. least whenever they they started to get real big because let's see um they were born in what did i say 40 47 like 46 and 47 Mm -hmm. the other one was 53 yeah, f- right. from 46 yeah. to 53, so 
you know, in 1970, some of these guys are already, like, pushing 30. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, Jerry Eubanks, he was, well, he was 20. Uh, who was the oldest one? George McCorkle was the oldest one, so he would have been, like, what, 24? But mm-hmm. not super young uh, compared to yeah. some of the other guys uh, that we've seen, you know, starting, like, 14. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a really interesting story that I wasn't expecting with them, and mm-hmm. I'm really glad that we, we covered them. So, Dad, that one was for you. <laughs> yeah, and let me, since I, I forgot now that it ties in. Um, Okay, so since we just talked about, like, how sad it is when we have to cover when band members die, I need mm-hmm. to clarify something that happened in episode two oh with Tom Petty because it's been brought up now three times to me from people <laughs> who have heard it. Um, so there's a part where I'm like, what do you think? Do you think they're dead or alive? And that was because <laughs> we were originally going to do a segment based on the Bon Jovi song, Dead or right, Alive, right. And, dis- and try to figure out like, what do we know already? Mm-hmm. And we did it in the first two episodes, but um, cin- the Cinderella episode was redone. So we didn't redo it because we were like, you know what? That came off weird. But we didn't end up explaining it in the Tom Petty episode. So I just sound like a really just morbid. insensitive. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that and the like cutest band member. That was the other segment that we so, had done in the first yeah. two. And then. Yeah, so we, we just had originally that. explained it in the first episode, this original Cinderella episode, and then did it in Tom Petty, but then scrapped the first Cinderella episode. So I just am like, who do you think is cute? <laughs> we've obviously moved away from that thing. We have evolved. So, yeah. We we've evolved into do terrible, like terrible renditions and like little snippets yeah. for y'all to yeah. endure at so the beginning were, of like, every. So cringing <laughs> at those two segments. That's why they were yeah. in there is because they were gonna be segments and then we decided not to and it just, yeah. <laughs> just wanted to clarify. <laughs> now that we I saw a now into that. if you didn't listen to Tom Petty and you have no idea what we're talking about, go back and listen to our second episode <laughs> and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you finally got that clarified because you bring that up quite often. Like somebody else just said this. Yeah. <laughs> it's somebody three now. Else brought it up to me. Well, hopefully this will. They'll listen to this one. They'll be like, oh, okay, and then you'll they'll leave you alone. Yeah. <laughs> you won't be so morbid. Okay. Moving <laughs> on to our one hit wonder. Um, this one is "Loving You" by Minnie Ripperton. And mm. yeah, you know this one. It's like la, 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 it's a la, really la, high. Yeah, la, I was like, oh, la, I can't la, do this. La, 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 yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, I was like, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, loving you by Minnie Ripperton. Yeah, um, that's a good it one. was. Thank you. It was released in 1975. I wanted to try to start doing what you do and kind of like incorporate. Nothing about it really incorporates into that so much just like the time, 1975. Mm, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, they were active in 1975. Let's do that one. Um, So it was on her second studio album called Perfect Angel, and it reached the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100. And there's some actually really interesting things about this. So Written by Minnie Ripperton and her husband, Richard Rudolph, as a lullaby for their daughter, Maya. Aww. Maya Rudolph is Minnie Ripperton's daughter. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yes. 
<laughs> I, I never would have made that connection. I knew that Maya Rudolph was the daughter of someone famous because I'd heard mm-hmm. that before, but I didn't mm-hmm. think, I don't think I've ever right. realized that her mom was a singer. I feel like I wow. knew that, like, back in my head. Just like Liza Minnelli's daughter was Judy Garland, right? Yeah. That yeah. that information is like stored in the very back of my mind, so I feel like I I knew that when I read it, I wasn't like super surprised, but mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, Maya Rudolph's mom was Minnie Ripperton, and in the song, she actually at the very end of the song, one of the like la 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 parts, uh, <laughs> parts. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of those parts, instead of singing that, she sings. Maya, 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 Maya. Like, um, I. You'll just have to go back you, and listen to it. Can you try it in that same Maya, note? Maya, you could just like. Maya, Maya. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank there you go. You. Yeah. So, uh, in uh, this is another sad thing, but she ended up passing away from cancer in 1979 at the age of 31. And Maya was born in 72. So she was on, yeah. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. It was, I believe it was breast cancer, um, and Maya was only, like, seven years old. But at that time, she had already had a son, Ringo, and so Maya, Maya's brother, Ringo. And in, this was really sad, but in the very last concert that she performed, when she sang that song, she added Ringo's name into it. So she would sing, like, Maya, Maya, Ringo, Maya. Um, Aww. Yeah. And, but something cool about it was that she signed to I think it was Epic Records um, and they asked her like who she wanted to produce the record and she said Stevie Wonder and he was a fan of hers and so Stevie Wonder produced the track for her but because he had like um, like a conflict of interest or contractual obligations or something going on he couldn't be credited as Stevie Wonder so he was oh. credited as El Toro Negro um, or <laughs> the, black, the bull. black Bull. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's um, that's what it, it is on the credits. But um, that's that was Stevie Wonder who did that as well. So um, just really interesting stuff that I wasn't really mm-hmm. expecting to come along with that. But um, it's, it again, just kind of sad about. Um, Maya Rudolph, but uh, it was cute because they, you would recognize the album cover for Perfect Angel. It's like Minnie Ripperton in her uh, just overalls. It doesn't look like she has anything on underneath, but it's like denim overalls and she's holding an ice cream cone and like it's melting down her hand. And it's, she mm-hmm. has like this really pretty smile. It looks just like Maya Rudolph. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Maya, I guess when she hosted SNL, whatever times, some of her pictures, she like remade classic photos of her mom. And Aww. that was really cute too. So, um, yeah. Thought that That's a good choice. Pretty... And a neat, Thank it's you. sad, but a neat backstory. Right, right. That one. Yeah. So it was more than I expected from that. Like, thanks. I like finding stuff out. Like whenever we did the um, runaway train with the missing children mm-hmm. stuff, I was like, what? I had no idea. That's super awesome. Um, yeah. Not the missing children, but it, they helped to find no. like 26 missing kids. Yeah. Um, so that, um, that was I'll put it in neat. the show notes. I'll put oh, the, yeah. picture, the original picture and the picture yes. of Maya Rudolph that she recreated. I'll put those in the show notes, which okay, you cool. can find um, mm-hmm. 
when you go to our Instagram or our Facebook and you go to our bio, there is a link and that will lead you to the Podbean website that is for our podcast. Mm -hmm. And each episode has like pictures and a, yeah. And if there's any links, they're there. So yeah, just so you know. Yeah. And like us on all of the social media platforms that you use that we are on. Like us socially, please. Please like us. So until next Wednesday, rock out and ramble on. Bye.